Welcome to Building and Protecting Your Business Worth podcast. This podcast is about sharing strategies and ideas to help business owners build, protect, and transition their businesses for the future while creating more balance in their life. Your host is Thomas J. Perrone, CLUCIC, and president of the New England Consulting Group of Guilford Incorporated, consulting business owners for over 50 years. Welcome to Building and Protecting Your Business Worth. Hi, I'm Tom Perrone, and I'm your host. And this podcast is all about learning strategies to build your business, to create greater profit, but to create also an abundance of leisure time so you can enjoy what you're building. Today, we have a wonderful guest, and I would like to introduce to you Jeff Borshawa. Welcome to Building and Protecting Your Business Podcast, your Business Worth Podcast. Jeff, how are you? Hi, Tom. I am great. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to get a chance to chat with you. Well, we're excited about listening and hearing about what you're doing because you're doing some really, really great things. Um, You're the master of time control and processes. But uh, Jeff, not everybody knows who you are, even though you are famous in the North Atlantic continent, but I'm going to introduce you in a very simple way. Jeff is the owner of Ferros Business Services, and he's admittedly a recovering accountant. He spent his entire career questioning the status quo and now focuses on helping business grow using the technology, and by building the relationships. Just a great relationship guy. He, uh, he now carries a mantle of professional matchmaking, helping the entrepreneurs and the business owners meet the solutions to their challenges. In his spare time, Jeff finds new ways to introduce people in his network to one another and considers network to be a notable pastime. And I have to say, Jeff, and compliment you, you're wonderful. You you put a lot of time creating those relationships and we all appreciate it. Well, thank you, Tom. You're and um, one thing I'll, I'll interrupt with is uh, a lot of people network and uh, I'm reading a book right now called networking is not working. And I realized the fundamental flaw in, in a lot of networking, people are just there to see what they can get for themselves. Um, I genuinely show up to serve and and I care more about connecting people than I care about the immediate benefit. So um, I I know you do that as well. So I just wanted to point out um, from one master to another, I I appreciate what you do as well. Well, yeah, thank you, Jeff. I know you do. And I know it takes a lot of time, but sometimes we, you know, there's the givers and the takers. And I like to work with givers and, you know, our group of a lot of people that you've met are the givers and, it's always good to talk to a giver and you are. So, but you know, Jeff, you have an interesting background and I'd like to ask you some questions on you as a business owner, because you have a deep history of where you were versus where you are. So that's the first question. How did you get to where you are and how did you get started today to get where you are right now and what you're doing? Well, and it's it's a fun little story, and I'll give you the the short version. But um, years and years ago, so I, I like to tell people I'm a recovering accountant, and um, any accountant who hears that they know exactly what I mean. Um, it's just now 
finally, after years, I can go through April and not think of the word tax season, the phrase. Um, but I started in accounting and I was really good at the tax side of things. I was really good at helping my cl clients with compliance. But it struck me as very odd that my clients would come to me for tax advice. People would talk to me about tax. But when I'd ask them about their business, they're like, oh, we're good. We're fine. Um, and, and I realized that nothing in my training really helped me help my clients, you know, unless I did something different. And I was doing a lot of autopsies on failed businesses. And, you know, there's nothing worse than being the cleanup crew after, you know, a business has failed. And I recognize that, you know, failed business often leads to failed marriage, you know, families being displaced. And I got really frustrated with the status quo. So I started looking at how could I help my clients look forward rather than looking backwards. And quite by accident, I ended up becoming a business coach. And, and in that, I realized that the best thing I could do was connect people with people um, rather than trying to solve their problems, it was helping them find the right people to make those problems go away permanently. So very long path. Um, but I realized in hindsight, my first career was actually meant to be education. I actually went to school. I took a university, a year in university um, in the education faculty. So it's kind of a long path to get back to teaching and, and coaching. Um, but for me, I'm really passionate about cash flow. And so I work with a lot of accountants to help their clients solve cash flow issues. Yeah, you really found a niche there. And, uh, and you are, are really good at it because I see your connections and what they're doing and the stories you tell me. What, what do you think, Jeff, if you had to think of the things that you did to get to this stage of success? Do you think some was by accident, some was by design? Uh, when you look back, I was I was over here at number one, and now I'm over here at 10. How did I, what did I do to get there? Well, the, the, the number, the, there was two secrets that probably aren't that secret. So I'll share both of them. The number one, and this has been both my gift and my curse. Uh, number one, I am ridiculously curious. I can't walk past something and, and not say, oh, that's interesting. Um, so in my career, I've taken little projects, I've taken contracts, I've taken jobs that scratch the curiosity itch more than anything. So what that led me to is number two, I love connecting and helping people. So the curiosity part is, you know, asking people what's going on in their business, reading between the lines, helping them figure out what their root cause problems are. And then number two is, is really, you know, I spent years trying to be all things to all people. And I realized that's really, really exhausting. Um, it got really easy in my life when I realized that I don't have to be the smartest person in the room. I just need to know the smartest people and put them in the right room. By being smart. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, that's interesting. I'll credit, Go ahead. I'll, I'll credit Michael Gerber with work, work on your business, not in your business. But I also love the phrase working smarter, not harder. And ironically, the less physical, actual, real work I do, 
the more money I make. The harder I work, the less money I make. You know, you and I spoke about that because in my book, Unlocking Your Business DNA, I spent a whole chapter on, because uh, I, I built, as you know, a, 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 a multi-million dollar consulting practice on 80 days a year working with clients. And it was over the last 40 out of 50 years that I did that because I found out early, just like you said, the less time I worked, the more I made, I had greater ideas. So I get that. Um, and a lot of people don't buy into that because they're just driven to be in their, their the, you know, it's the old 50 year to hundred year tradition of work, work, work. Um, yeah. But you and I have had many conversations about that. Um, but it does work. And, you know, I, I love the accountants that I serve, but one of them put it very well. He said, you know, I'm nose down, tail up and hard at work. And yet he's worried about how he's going to pay his mortgage. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. sometimes we need to lift our head, look at the greater landscape and, and say, you know, am I doing the right things? And you do it along with, uh, you do it. And so does Joe Perone Jr., my nephew, who's a coach. And his, he's all about burnout and doing exactly what you're talking about is finding processes to eliminate that time, but be more efficient. And you got, you got it real quick. And I, that's the last question I was going to ask you. What part of uh, realizing that you could start putting together processes to take more time out and be efficient? When did that happen? When did you see that? Um, honestly, I've seen it for years. Now there, there's a difference between seeing and doing. And, um, you know, the reality is, um, believe it or not, I learned the value of systems and processes in high school. I, I worked for a fast food chain and I, I won't name names, but, um, they're known worldwide for their, their systems and processes. You know, their biggest asset is real estate, not, not the, the business. Um, but I really, when I worked at this restaurant, I was, you know, working my way up the ranks and the owner who I thought was crazy at the time said, you know, you're getting a world-class business education. Um, most of you will never recognize it, never notice it. And I said, yeah, okay, clearly you're crazy. Have a nice life. Um, but after the fact, I was like, you know, you think about the power of a multi-million dollar restaurant where the keys are in the hands of teenage kids. And, you know, that restaurant is able to run with very little grown-up supervision. Um, that's actually pretty powerful. And yeah. so I went on to university, did all, all my training. I became a, a chartered accountant in Canada. And I promptly forgot about the lessons I learned until I started my own business. And... At that point, I'd read uh, Michael Gerber, E-Myths Revisited, and I went, oh, yeah, I was going to do systems and processes. Um, but one of the things I found was it was onerous to try to systemize everything and create all these processes. So it was the last thing to do. You know, I'd run out of energy and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll get to that later. Um, it took probably a decade for me to realize that not having those processes were what was giving me grief. So in the last three years, I've gotten really serious 
Um, all of my coaching clients, the first thing we do now is we work on, you know, core systems and processes. We we try to eliminate the the big frustrations up front. And that's, I think, one of the biggest mistakes I'd made is trying to solve everything. You know, I, I worked with um, a coach to help me with processes. And, you know, the first week we documented how we made coffee in the office. Second week, it was how we loaded station, um, how we loaded postage on the, on the mailing machine. And then the third week, it was how did we collect our mail? And I threw him out. I said, You're, you are wasting my time because he made me learn the process to document it. Um, so now what I do with my accountants is we get our staff to document. So. Yeah, which is smart because you want to systemize it for a lot of reasons, not not being uh, not the only one being to know what the hell you're doing. But secondly, down the road, a purchaser may want to know what how your business works. So you might as well do it right in the beginning. Right. And and you're right. Sometimes you could micromanage those processes and spend more time doing it instead of the big rock processes that you need to focus on. Um, Exactly. Jeff, what worries, and I asked this question, not just to ask you, because you see a lot of business people, CPAs, you have conversations with them. What do you think uh, worries, what are the worries you think most business owners kind of think of, the one or two top things that they think about that worries them? I think the number one worry that I see, and, and this is sort of where my my micro niche comes in, I think the the biggest worry I see over and over is payroll. Um, well, actually cash flow, but it usually manifests it. The symptom is how do I make payroll this month? Um, you know, am I getting things done? So time and money are usually the common threads. And usually what I look at with my coaching clients is, are you making enough money for the time you're investing into your business? I, when you said that, what, what came to my mind was how many business owners don't delegate things that they spend time on that somebody else can do at a lesser cost while they go and create where the dollars are. That It's the immediate thing I think of. Um, besides cash flow, what would be number two, you think? Really, this is going to sound like a really strange one, um, Tom, but my aha moment is really, if we look at root cause, the greatest problem of all the symptoms that I hear, because I, I hear a lot of symptoms and my power is looking to the root cause, um, the greatest source of all of those problems, believe it or not, is one word. It's uncertainty. And, and I'll explain that because it's not self-evident. But what I find, and, and a lot of this is coming from um, reading and, and studying and implementing a book by Perry Marshall called 80-20 Sales and Marketing. And that was another game changer book for me. But what I've realized is that a lot of business owners have uncertainty they don't know where their next client is coming from. They don't know where their next dollar is coming from. So what they do is they double down on their time. I'll just work harder. And if I work harder, I'll get more results. Uh, but what it ends up doing, and, and this ties to your, your nephew, Joe, 
um, they end up working longer and longer hours, not knowing what their priority is. So burnout becomes almost inevitable. And, and I, I think burnout is the third biggest issue in, in entrepreneurs, um, but it's more of a symptom than, than a root cause. So one of the things I do with, with my people is we figure out what their top three, maybe five priorities are, and they have permission to either eliminate, automate, or delegate everything. You know, the, the corollary, the, the problem with uncertainty is if an entrepreneur is trying 50 different things and they don't know which one of those things will get them a result, they're going to burn a lot of time, energy, and money on all those little things. Um, they can't afford to hire the best people, so they hire the people they can afford, which means they end up with another 50 things they're juggling because their people aren't really good at what they do. So it's a vicious cycle. When we try too many things, we then end up making way less than we should, which causes all the cash flow stress. So if we can get uncertainty solved, we know with a you know, 100% certainty. And, and for me, that certainty comes in power networking and building meaningful relationships. I can eliminate all of that extra marketing effort. And, you know, the other piece I will point out is a lot of marketing is directed at cold traffic. And the better you get at bringing in cold traffic, the better you need to get at sales and the more time and effort you need to spend on sales. Correct. Conversely, yeah. you know, and, and I am in the class of, I would call myself a world-class salesperson. Um, a world-class salesperson at best hopes to close 20% of cold traffic. Now, flipping it around, if you focus on networking, for example, and, and by networking, I mean relationship building. If you focus on that, the worst salespeople in the world they can close 80 to 90%. Uh, most accountants I know close 100%. Um, no, no insult to them, but usually it's because they're bad negotiators. They just drop the price until somebody says yes. Um, but when it comes to referral or relationship-based promotion, um, a mediocre salesperson should close 80%. So if you get really good at relationship building, you don't need to get good at the 50 other things that go into marketing and sales. Yeah. And the cost that's involved there, because when you break it all down, if they know, like, and trust you, 90% of the time, they're going to do business with you, even if you're higher or lower, or maybe not as good, but they trust you, know you and like you. Big difference, right? Big difference. Absolutely. And it's just the, the other part of, Again, with, with ads and things like that, you've got to screen, do you like them? And, and I, I think a lot of business owners miss that point and they think, you know, anybody's money is good money. Um, I, I take exception to that because I, I, I have relationships, real relationships with the people I work with. Um, I have a very firm no jerks policy. I, I totally get that. I, I can't tell you how many folders and files I've sent to uh, people that became my client almost by mistake that I realized they're, they're just eating time up and they're just soaking it in. And I know what you're saying. And 
you know, that's an interesting, that statement you make, no jerks, is really something that a lot of business owners need to really focus on. Who are they taking in to work with? Because they're making your life miserable and costing you money and you're doing more for them and they're the least profitable. You have to ask yourself, why did I attract that person, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And and one of the things I see a lot of business owners doing, and and this is again back to uncertainty, um, once we land that difficult client, and, and I say this difficult, not judging them, but you know, they're not a perfect fit for us. Um, we spend the rest of our relationship with them backpedaling, bending over backwards, trying to do a lot of things. Um it doesn't work well for us. And, you know, it's, it's genuinely a waste of our time and energy. Well, I'll give you an example. I, it happens to be an accountant. He's my accountant. And he was telling me how he spent a lot of time with this person. And when he charged him $60 more, the person came back at him very angry. And he says, well, every year you've just been doing this. Well, he helped him with his PPP loans, which took hours. And, and I yeah. said to him, you got to get rid of him. He's not your client. He's not. And it's hard for accountants to let go of a client. <laughs> I found that to yeah. be where to me, it's easy because I, I know the value of a good client and I know the devaluation of a bad client, you know? So I yeah. get what you're saying and it's a great message to the audience to kind of resurface that. Uh, Jeff, come back, because you've mentioned this author twice to me, and I've not yet picked up the book, but Perry Marshall. And what was the name of that book? It's 8020 Sales and Marketing. And and for the record, it's not just a marketing and sales book. Um, there's a couple of great chapters devoted to, um, basically devoted to understanding your hourly rate and um, it, it's kind of the, the comment is that you know the the sum of our little habits becomes what our business is and a lot of entrepreneurs even those making you know hundreds of thousands of dollars they end up spending a lot of their time doing low-level tasks that drag down their average um, and, and I love how he, he has little buckets. So, you know, there's $10 an hour tasks, which, you know, most of us should either eliminate or delegate. There's $100 an hour tasks, which, again, almost all of us should be delegating those tasks. And as an entrepreneur, we should be focusing on the $1,000 or $10,000 an hour tasks. And those are things like, you know, saving a big client, bringing in a big client, um, a lot of entrepreneurs and, and accountants fall into this. You know, they think we're going to save some money. I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll run to the post office myself. I'll, you know, I'll print out the tax returns. There's a lot of little tasks that no entrepreneur should waste their time with. Um, we make the mistake of thinking we're saving money, but really, if we're doing a ten dollar an hour task, it's costing us nine hundred ninety dollars because we're not doing what we, we should be doing. And, and, you know, Jeff, that's a good point, because not only is it costing us money in dollars and cents, it's costing us emotional money, too. 
because mm-hmm. you're not focusing on the big picture and what you do best to make the money. You're you're not focusing anymore if you're taking the stapler and putting a bunch of tax returns anymore. You just wasted two hours of mental, you, you know what I'm saying? Um, yep. So yeah. there's a price to pay mentally too, because uh, um, I've seen it coaching a lot of people in the financial world insurance agents and, and other advisors. And I'd say, just like you did, why are you doing this higher? Well, it costs money. Of course yep. it costs money, but it's costing you a lot more. Um, yep. Jeff, let's go to you. How much is it costing you to not hire? Yeah, exactly. It's like I used to, my, my advertisement budget for my seminars used to be 90 to a hundred thousand dollars a year. And someone said, wow, that's a lot of money you spend. I said, yeah, but it's bringing in eight to $10 for every dollar I spend. So why would I not, I'd spend 300,000 if I had the time. Right. I mean, it's just, that's what we're talking about here. So, so let me ask you this, Jeff, because I, let's get back to what you actually do. Cause this is a really exciting stuff. Um, so first of all, who do you work with? So my primary, I have two primary audiences. The main one is just business owners. And I know that's the world's worst niche because it's too general. Um, but the reality is I, I'm a, I niche by problem I solve. So any business owner that is dealing with stressful cash flow issues, they're the people I love to help. Um, the other audience, I work very closely. I teach accounting firms how to have cash flow conversations with their clients, and, and more importantly, how to diagnose and offer valuable solutions. So it, it's my passion is I, I'm sick and tired of the commonly quoted tale that you know 80% of small businesses fail in the first five years, and as a business community, we just shrug and say, well, as long as I'm not the the four out of five that fail, I'm okay. Um, my goal is to reverse that needlessly bleak outlook. And the good news is, you know, I've taken 30 years to master my trade, get really, really complicated. I've spent the last year trying to figure out how to simplify um, cash flow so that I could explain it, believe it or not, to my 12-year-old son. So that's my passion is making cash flow simple. Um, I think I need to call it the the KISS cash flow because it is all about keeping cash flow simple. Uh, you're hitting on something, I, you know, keep, keep it simple, stupid. Remember that phrase, that cliche? Well, if you read, if you read the vision code by Oleg uh, Kalavala, one of the things that is in there is the prominent people around the world that have had huge visions that have uh, been successful in implementing. Many of them say, use that word, that cliche keep it simple stupid because if you don't understand it you won't do it right absolutely and and by the way my eight-year-old um stupid is a swear word at school they get fined if they say it so um he's corrected me i now say keep it super simple that's good (laughs) i'm gonna use that simple simple so i don't get fined here um the uh so let's talk about how do you offer your match making services 
matchmaking is probably my favorite thing. And uh, I work with a, a partner. So I'm a strategic partner in a company called Exchange Club. And it's just the website is exchange.club, um, but drop the E. So it's exchange with an X. Um, basically, I'm an advocate for them. And so I, I used to do all my networking very, very casually and not surprising. I'll, I'll, I'll share the good and the bad. Um, I was burning out because I, I was literally spending two to four hours a day connecting people from a karma point of view. You know, it was good karma. I love helping people. And it just, it was filling my inbox. It was taking a lot of time and energy. Um, so I moved it over to Exchange Club where they have um, they have facilitators who actually handle most of the lifting. It's a white glove um, introduction service. But basically what I do is I, I have some software. Um, I have software that tracks my network and, and the relationships I have. Um, I was keeping it all in my head, which was good when I knew, you know, a couple hundred people, but my network of people that I actually know and actively refer people to has grown. I would say it's over 2000 now. Wow. And let's just say the little hamster in my brain is getting tired. Um, so I found some software. It's called thebrain.com. Um, and by the way, Tom, I am a, a tech geek. I love new technology. Um, I'm just building out a virtual brain, which with a couple of clicks, I can find any connection. And um, so I actively, when I talk to people, I find out who they are. Um, and again, I mentioned earlier, one of my superpowers is curiosity. Um, when I meet people, I, I don't think what's in it for me. I love asking them about their business. I love talking to them about what they're doing. Um, you know, it, it's always a lot of fun to find out what people are dealing with. And inevitably it comes up with, you know, here's some challenges we face, here's some struggles. Um, that's the point where I love to make an introduction and say, you know, you can solve this yourself. I have no doubt you're smart enough. Um, but I know somebody that could help you. Would you be interested in an introduction? And I started doing this just for good karma and just to help. But the amazing byproduct of this, you know, a lot of people think that you're crazy. There's no business model in it. The reality is everybody I've helped without exception, they've introduced me to other people. So it, it, it became this virtuous cycle of I can do good in the world, um, but having that out there also comes back to me tenfold you know the more i give the more i receive so um you know and and a book that's really really impacted me recently is bob berg and john david mann they wrote a book called the go-giver and I, I don't know if you've read the book but when i read it there's a character called the connector and i went oh my goodness that's me <laughs> yeah so it, it's, you know, there, at first it was random, it was haphazard. And, you know, to be honest, relying on memory is not the best way to do it. And, you know, I tried scribbled notes in a in journal, 
um, but that's not readily accessible. So now I'm using um, a little bit of AI and a little bit of um, search functionality. So, um, you know, I put in little keywords in my notes of when I talk to people and then going forward, when someone else says those same keywords, a little light bulb goes off and I can connect them. So. Yeah, you are a master of connection. And, um, and Bob Berg, by the way, I, I love to read his stuff. He's a very good author and, and writes really, really good stuff. But, you know, you make a good point, and it's a, an educational moment on this podcast. And from two people that together we have 80 years in our practices. Uh, years ago, it's in my book, but years ago, I was wondering why people wouldn't implement all these wonderful, sophisticated things that I did for them. Until I realized that they they knew me, they knew they knew me, and they liked me. It was a matter of trust because I didn't develop the relationship. Once I got their team, their accountant, their CPA, their attorney, their investment person together in the one room, because I would say, "Let's let's work for this client as a team." Because I don't know what you're doing, you don't know what I'm doing. Let's put it all together. And Jeff, exactly what happened they did implement because their CPA or their accountant said, Perone's right. He's being honest. It'll work. And through that, these people over time called me up and said, let's talk about what you just did for Mr. Jones. Right? So the giving part of it, I really get, and I wish more business owners would look at that and say, this is part of being in good business, you know? So what you're teaching these people is just fabulous. I think just fabulous. Um, Jeff, I want to move on to some basic, kind of basic questions, but I think people out there want to know a little bit about how you're working in your practice because it's so efficient. So how would you work with someone who says, hey, listen, um, I have a business, but I have no plans to selling my business. So... That's a, a great question, Tom. And that's, um, you know, I'm part of a community. It's called the Value Builder Community. And it, it's based on a book by John Warlow called Built to Sell. And that is a misnomer because a lot of people think, well, I'm not planning on selling. I'm not going to sell. The reality is Built to Sell is about having freedom. So it's the ultimate freedom to be able to choose how you work, when you work, who you work with. And you know, deciding whether your business is a legacy you leave to your family or it's an asset that you sell to a venture capitalist. Uh, the reality is most businesses, and, and I hate to say this so bluntly, uh, most business owners are trapped in their business. They're in what we call the owner's trap. And that means that if they were to sell their business or try to sell their business, I hate to say it, but it's actually literally worthless. Mm -hmm. If your business stops or slows down every time you take a vacation, if every customer comes to you, your business is not a sellable asset. Now, again, it's not about selling your business. It's about freedom. Um, if you're in the owner's trap, your business is not as profitable as it should be. And it's definitely way more stressful than it should be. So one of the things I do, um, I used to do one-to-one -one coaching, but one of the things I realized was I was not practicing what I preach. Um, it wasn't scalable. It was, I was 
a hundred percent the you know I was the owner the business was dependent on. Um, so one of the things I did was I explored and I studied what's the best way for people to get results. And it actually shocked me, Tom. It was not one-to-one coaching, which is kind of ironic because the whole world believes that one-to-one coaching is the best way you can do things. Um, you know, th- there's a lot of pressure to pay high fees to a coach. Um, but what I found was the actual best mechanism. So the greatest force for good on the planet in business is a concept called the mastermind. And quite simply, a lot of people have complicated masterminds. Um, I'm guilty. I've been there, done that as well. Um, but again, applying the, the keep it super simple um, approach, I've realized that a mastermind really is two or more minds coming together to solve a common problem. So if we figure that out, and, and by the way, when it comes to a mastermind, you know, in one-on-one coaching, one plus one is two. You know, we have two brains. You bring those two, two together, you still have two. Um, when you're in a mastermind setting, there's a magic that happens somewhere around eight people. Um, but if you can add multiple people to solving a problem, you get greater accountability. They're going to hold you responsible to it. You build a community, so you have that connection with others. And more importantly, you get one plus one is 11 or greater. Um, It becomes exponential because, you know, one person throws out an idea, somebody throws out an idea that builds on it. Um, You can, in in a mastermind, come up with 100 different solutions in an hour. So the way I work and, you know, coming back to how I help small businesses, um, I have a monthly mastermind where literally the entire topic is cash flow we meet um, the first monday of every month and we talk about cash flow and it's not about theory of cash flow it's not about you know one day maybe Um, everything we do is you know we need to have a strategy we need to have a long-term plan but every meeting is about what tactics can we take away today and actually work to improve our business today um so I, I leverage the value builder system, which is an online portal. It's got wonderful training for the clients. Um, most of the work is done outside of the mastermind, but when we come together as a group, it's where are you stuck? How can I get you unstuck? And that's the other piece of the mastermind. And, and this is where, you know, some of the value builder content comes in is you need to have a really crystal clear structure. If you don't have a structure, um, you're going to end up wasting a lot of time and energy. So we really focus on hyper results, trying to, you know, again, get crystal clear what the problem is. And once we get there, then we can help them find the solution. Uh, The last piece I think that's really magical is we use the power of the group to, you know, each person in the group has their own personal networks. Um, So what we do is we look to the group and say, who do we as a collective know that can help Tom solve this problem? And assuming the average business person has two, 
250 connections, if we've got a group of 10 people, instead of just reaching 250, we can reach 2,500. Um, it's almost a guarantee that we'll find somebody who can solve the problem by looking into the, the network in the group. You know, what a great concept. And I'll, I'll, I'll just add this to that. Think of a, a business owner having a problem, okay? Now, for example, I always tell people, one way or another, when you, you die, you get sick, or you just want to retire, you still have some kind of equity in your business. Either it's going to come with you or it's not. And, you know, and my definition of a business is if you can't take 30 days off a year, you, don't, you have a job, you don't have a business. So get that straight. But what I like about the mastermind is, employers don't have really anyone to speak to to get open ideas they can't talk to their competitors they don't want to uh, yeah. uh, you know um, uh, bother their wives and uh, so they don't have, so they keep it in so what you've offered is really um, uh, a really nice way of opening a forum and getting all these ideas out I think that is yeah. fabulous um, how well, and, and I'll tell you Tom Oh, sorry. No, no, that's right. How often do you meet once a uh, once a month? Did you say? It, it depends on the mastermind. Um, my cash flow one, we meet once a month because they have big projects they have to work on. Uh, most of my masterminds, we meet twice a month. And you know, the, the real magic—it's fascinating because a lot of people, when I tell them what I do, they say, "Well, I don't want to share my problems with strangers," and. Usually I say, well, come and see what we do. It's not, you know, you're not standing up in front of the community and, um, and, and sharing all your secrets. But the fascinating thing is the biggest objection I get is I don't want to share with strangers. Uh, once they've been to a meeting, I've had grown men, very macho men, break down in tears of joy because they found a safe place where they're not alone. And, and to me, that's almost addictive it's it's a fascinating thing um so we meet twice a month for most of my groups because it, it's not about me it's not about their business it's about them having that safe space to as you said they can't share with their their competitors they can't share with their spouses they can't share with their employees and they certainly can't share their problems with their their clients or their their vendors for that matter um so really, I, I see my job as creating a safe space for people to build relationships. And um, the fascinating thing is these relationships start just in the meetings, but it doesn't take long, usually a month or two. Um, people are meeting outside of the meetings. They're having one-on-one -on -one conversations. Uh, the mastermind setting, like it is the ultimate place of trust. And again, that's my job to make sure it is. Um, they will do business together. They will recommend others to each other. Uh, a lot of personal growth comes out of a business mastermind or should. No, it's a great idea. And nobody I know is doing this except for you. Um, Jeff, I know you have uh, things to do today. So we're going to close out because I just asked for an hour. But here's what I'm going to do in the show notes. I'm going to put all the contact information uh, your website, how to get in contact with you. There are probably a lot of people that would like to talk to you. Also, I might add on, just got a nice website and he has, um, 
he, he has uh, a FAQ, um, and, and you might want to go through that to find out more about Jeff. Jeff, uh, I really appreciate uh, having the time with you today. Is there anything else you'd like to add to the uh, conversation today? I would say one of the, the worst mistakes a business owner makes is referring to their accountant at the end of the year. My big advice to everybody watching, and I have no vested interest in this. I don't have any money on the horse, so to speak. But the, the worst thing you can do is wait till the end of the year. If you're having challenges or problems, talk to your accountant today. Right. And, you know, they might not have an immediate answer, but at least if you can talk to your accountant or your bookkeeper, um, at least you're not alone. And, you know, there are peer-to-peer groups. You can join one, but don't suffer in silence. Don't be that silent majority that just one day, you know, there's a closed sign out front or for lease. Um, cash flow issues are very fixable and usually with way less effort than you think. So my big advice would be just reach out, get some help. And, um, you know, even if it's I have too much surplus cash and I don't know what to do with it, talk to your accountant. They can help you with way more than you're traditionally used to them. Um, and I, I hear that as a pushback a lot. People say, I didn't know I could talk to my accountant about this. So yeah, have that conversation. I agree with you. It's You don't want your accountant to be putting out fires. You want to be in a position to start your own fires. Um, exactly. That be the case. But Jeff, thanks so much for spending the time there's so much in this accounting world and small business world and the one thing i'm going to take away there's many things i can take away but i like what you said about hey let's reverse this 80 20 trend because there's no reason why more than 20 percent businesses can't be striving and it really comes down to a couple of things and paying attention like you had mentioned um and again having a processing working with processes is just a great thing, and you've you've really mastered it, um, Jeff. Thanks so much for taking the time. I will have all the contact information so you can contact Jeff. If you do have a problem, just email me. I'll get in. I'll get you in contact with Jeff. And Jeff, thanks for send, spending so much time and connecting as all of us. I appreciate it. Well, thank you very much for having me, Tom. Always a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you, Jeff. Well, I want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening. It was a good show today. And uh, if you would help us out by subscribing, click a like. Uh, if you have any ideas or thoughts that you would like to share with us, please email me at tperone, that's P-E-R-R-O-N-E, at N-E-C-G-G-I-N-C dot com. And if you are a business owner, or you know business owners that would like to participate on our show, certainly let me know. We certainly welcome everyone who is a business owner to help people out there that are running businesses with great ideas and strategies to make them successful. So again, thanks for tuning in. I certainly appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in. Whenever you're ready to grow and protect your business while creating more balance in your life, here are three steps you can take. One, subscribe to this podcast. To request a free copy of Tom's newly published book, 
unlocking your business DNA, email Tom at tperone at necgginc.com. And on the subject line, type DNA. Include your mailing address. And thirdly, take the one-minute scorecard and report to see how efficient you are in your business planning. Email tperone at necgginc.com and request scorecard. For additional information, click the show notes.